and we decided that we were going to throw our own expo night or celebration of learning at the end of the semester. And the projects were okay. Uh, they weren't amazing by any stretch, but when parents came and the community came and we saw what our students presented, it just felt incredible to see them display their learning in that fashion. Welcome to TG2Cast. I'm your host, Aaron Blackwelder. Today I'll be having a conversation with Chris McNutt. Chris is a social studies teacher at Global Impact STEM Academy in Springfield, Ohio. Chris is founder of the Human Restoration Project, which is dedicated to promoting progressive education. Today we'll be talking about progressive education. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your context? Sure. So I teach at Global Impact STEM Academy, which is a public magnet school in Springfield, Ohio. So the idea behind the school, which just opened not too long ago, it opened six years ago. I started teaching there five years ago, um, was to serve the local community as a hub for STEM education, which is very broad. Um, so it deals a lot with project-based learning as well as an early college piece and, and really a lot of many other components. Um, so we serve students both from like impoverished rural communities to urban communities to the suburbs to you know the very wealthy um, in pretty much every context. So there's a, a mix of cultures that all culminate within our school. Um, in terms of what I teach, I teach digital art and media as of next year. But in the past, I've taught government and United States history to freshmen. I know you to be an advocate for progressive education. Why don't you share with us uh, about what progressive education looks like in your classroom? So, in terms of what that looks like, it's actually kind of builds into the human restoration human restoration project itself which is uh a few years back i started to get really frustrated with what i was doing so when i was teaching united states history a lot of it just felt like i was giving them a lot of content they were taking a test over it they were doing decent but then i'd come back to it like the next year or a couple of years and i'd be asking them about something and Almost no one really knew what I was talking about, including students that had really good grades. And it was very confusing and honestly, very disheartening. That's a very depressing feeling as a teacher, feeling like you're doing the right thing and recognizing that maybe the impact that you're having isn't as great as you thought it was. So we went out to high tech high one year uh, for some professional development and we looked at the projects that they were doing and all the cool stuff that they had to showcase and we decided that we were going to throw our own expo night or celebration of learning at the end of the semester and the projects were okay uh, they weren't amazing by any stretch, but when parents came and the community came and we saw what our students presented, it just felt incredible to see them display their learning in that fashion. And that lent itself to focusing a lot more on PBL than what we were. And it takes you down the rabbit hole in terms of what progressive ed is the second that you enter into a pbl context well then you're going to start looking at gradeless learning because it's really hard to subjectively grade a or objectively grade i mean a pbl project it's very hard to have a project that does not have student voice and choice and then you get into like well if i'm going to have student voice and choice then i need to start looking at critical pedagogy as well and look at student empowerment or uh, sharing student power um so so 
really that just kind of took us down the uh kind of uh how to explain this uh we followed the white rabbit i guess uh <laughs> out of the matrix um to see really how the uh, the ideas worked now you are the founder of the human restoration project um you brushed on that what is it what is a human restoration project so the Human Restoration Project started out as basically a way to showcase uh, friend and I's ideas. Uh, we just wanted to talk more about progressive ed because we felt like there wasn't a place to talk about progressive ed that wasn't one very hard to navigate and kind of archival and, and weird um, or a corporation, a place where I had to pay money in order to access the materials. So the idea has developed into basically virtual grassroots activism. So what I mean by that is it feels really good to connect with other people who are like-minded like yourself. And when I hear you, Aaron, or anyone talk about these giant progressive ideas, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable and doing the things that I do. And there's a lot of people out there doing this work. And the cool thing about the internet is, is that we can be connected really no matter where we are. So the Human Restoration Project offers free resources. We host pretty much anyone who wants to share their thoughts on our website. Uh, we obviously have a podcast, as well as just a collection of research that supports the things that we're talking about. Okay. And um, so you brushed on virtual grassroots activism. Um, why, why is that an important thing? Um, within education right now how is that beginning to transform schools so as you probably know you know progressive education has been around for a really long time it's been around for hundreds of years and it kind of rears its head every now and then like i think about the 1960s and 1970s and the free schools and there were all these amazing schools being opened but the problem was is that it was very difficult to keep them open when people fell back on standardized test scores so we didn't really have the internet back then. We didn't have an easy way to connect with each other in order to keep propping each other up and ensuring that these kind of schools could remain successful. So the point of virtual grassroots activism is to maintain that level of professionalism across the country, even if you're in a school that maybe doesn't accept these ideas or maybe doesn't understand what these ideas are yet. And there's a lot of power in terms of incorporating these ideas at the local level um, when you start to push for them. So what I mean by that is when we hosted our expo night, we had a lot of teachers that didn't know what progressive education was. They were great teachers, but they didn't really think much about the systems in which they were teaching. And even though they were never exposed to that, when they saw our expo night, they were like, man, you know, I want to learn more about what PBL is. And again, the second that they took that one step into progressive ed is when all these other opportunities opened. And we don't have the greatest test scores. Our test scores are mediocre at best. Um, it doesn't matter. The local community still thinks because they come to our events that our school is absolutely amazing. So despite the national and state pressure that might exist surrounding standardized test scores or your school report card, at the local level, it, it really isn't mattering that much. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I would love to see just standardized testing going away because it doesn't measure um, creativity, it doesn't uh, measure um, imagination, it doesn't measure collaboration uh it matter it measures basically rote memorization and how much money your family makes um which doesn't really you know help kids later on in life 
And, and to speak to that really quick, uh, an interesting side note when it comes to standardized testing is I often wonder about how much our actual preparation for standardized testing matters. And if it doesn't matter, then are we really, is there really even a point of worrying about it at all? So as a, like, like, for example, um, in my American history and government class, we probably cover 30% of the standards. We we used to spend most of our time on covering like systemic racism or homophobia or transphobia, big issues that adults typically aren't very comfortable in talking about. And it's really only a few of the standards. However, like a week or two before taking the test, we just cram for it. Like it was very open to the students. They knew exactly what we were doing and it's fun for them because they, you know, they feel like they're rigging the system because that's kind of like what we're doing. Um, however, when we got the, the test scores back, even though you know most of the school isn't doing too hot, our test scores were fantastic. They were way above the state average. Um, and that just kind of goes to show you that maybe we're spending too much time worrying about the standardized test. And instead, we could probably do very well on those tests just by understanding how to take tests. Um, and we could focus most of our time on progressive ed and not have to worry about um, this constant looming threat. Yeah, and well, in the research that I've read um, shows that that when we use um, pedagogies like um, project-based learning um, or, uh, you know, students are, are delving into uh, problem-based learning where they're identifying problems within the community and, and trying to solve them, um, when they're doing those, um, they're actually learning more and ultimately, the research that I've read, uh, it increases test scores. Um, over the traditional ed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if we're focusing on keeping kids interested and motivated in school, it would only make sense, especially if it happens throughout their entire school career, that test scores will improve. Because if I actually care about the things that I'm learning about, by the time I'm taking a test in ninth, 10th, or 11th grade, I'm going to do really well because I'm coming to school to learn, not just go through the motions. Um, now, the Human Restoration Project has tons of resources um, from your uh, daily um, uh, tweets uh, on, on uh, the research that you guys put out to the to the podcast and the blog. Um, how is uh, what is the difference between say the Human Restoration Project and uh, other EduGuru networks? Sure. So I wouldn't call ourselves an EduGuru network uh, because I think that there's a negative context surrounding the point of those organizations. So I, I'm not disparaging against people that. That, like, let's say, uh, really get into like Dave Burgess books or teach like a champion or anything of that nature. However, the difference between progressive ed and those solutions is even though they might have tinges of what that is, progressive education is about systemic change. It's radically pro student. And often when we look at books like teach like a champion, what they're really doing is just trying to make the existing structure better. Um, and that has a lot of negative consequences. One, it's contributing to burnout, the idea of constantly having to flip your classroom and make it into like some crazy, uh, like event every single day. And you're coming in and, you know, being super hyped up and motivated to learn. Those aren't necessarily negative things, but if you're doing that day in and day out and constructing these crazy games and hooks and all these different things, 
I don't think it's sustainable. And I also don't think it's natural to learning. I shouldn't have to uh, put on a show every single day in order to motivate my students to learn. Instead, we should be looking at the underlying structures that are causing our students to not want to come to school or are not intrinsically motivated to learn in school. So we're not selling a step-by-step process. We're not selling some kind of acronym that just generically describes positive teaching. Instead, we're looking at the underlying inequities within the education system and find ways to flip those over. Yes, yeah, and and that's kind of how I felt with a lot of the um, movements that are going on. They just seem to be more like um, we, you know, they, they seem to cater to the test-driven state uh, mandates um, and the top-down. Hey, here's how we can work within that and and have fun doing that, rather than how do we really serve our children the best that we can serve them? How do we inspire authentic learning? How do we um, break those, uh, those uh, shackles of, of standardized testing? Yeah. And there's a time and place for some of those things. Like we've done some pretty cool, like I, the, the students love whenever we do our prohibition simulation, for example, and play blackjack and pretend like we're in a speakeasy. Like there's a time and place for these fun things, but that isn't the solution uh, to solving a lot of the problems that we're seeing. No, I, I completely agree. Um, we already talked about how you've implemented um, progressive ed within your classroom. Um, how has it transformed your classroom? So, uh, in a lot of different ways. So, to kind of give you a summary of what happened last semester, for example, um, we've been doing large-scale thematic projects for a few years now that take up anywhere between two to four days a week. So, what that looks like is from two to four days a week, students are learning uh, on their own or in small groups and then meeting with me as much as we possibly can make that happen based on whatever it is that they're working on surrounding a theme. So last semester, that was veterans issues. Um, We had some creative constraints that you were working with some kind of veterans issue. And the target was to empathize with things that they were going through. So to make that happen in an easy way, we partnered with an organization called Stack Up. And Stack Up is a video game organization. They're led by veterans. The idea is, is that you go out and play in video game tournaments and that you know helps with isolation or you know some of the psychological issues that might come from returning um, from overseas deployment, and that organization said, "Hey, you know, it'd be really cool to have some of your um, students interview the people that are here because they're younger veterans, they're people that came from the Iraq War and War in Afghanistan." Um, a lot of times when we talk about veterans issues, we're talking about like World War II veterans or Vietnam, um, so it's a lot closer in terms of age and. We said, well, it'd be kind of cool if one of the options that we were pushing for was maybe making video games because, I mean, the the organization centered around video games. And the guy was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I really like that idea. So one thing that maybe separates progressive education from, let's say, like a self-directed classroom is we still have opportunities to inspire kids to do something new. Um, it's not just do whatever you want at all points. There is a pathway where let's say we could create a video game. Um, now we don't force every student to make a video game. Instead, we construct this whole cool curriculum surrounding here's how you make a video game and you do whatever you want within that. And if you want to do something else, you can do that as well. I had students do art projects. I had students just do completely different things altogether, as long as they were dealing with some kind of creative constraint in terms of veterans issues. Um, and what that culminated with was this really cool 
expo night where we had over 2000 people come. We raised, I think it was over a thousand dollars, something like that for stack up. Um, and students actually feel like, or they don't just feel like their work does matter. It matters at the end of the day and they understand why it is that there's learning, they're learning these things and they understand the impact that it has. And they're developing all of those soft skills that you alluded to earlier, um, as well as learning the content. There's a lot of students that you know, sadly, the way that history is taught typically is chronologically, they rarely, if ever, talk about what's going on in Afghanistan and Iraq. And, you know, now we're looking at Syria and many other countries. Um, there's a lot of serious issues there involving the military industrial complex and uh, how the United States engages imperialism and then tracing that back to, you know, 1800s imperialism and what that looks like. Um, these are deep issues that need some kind of authentic attachment in order to explain. Now, how should teachers go about implementing progressive ed into our uh, classrooms? Because um, all of this sounds really wonderful. It, it's super, it sounds like it's super engaging for kids. It sounds like kids are feeling like they are doing something meaningful. But this can be scary um, for a teacher who has did the traditional stand and deliver. Um, they felt a lot of control over the class. They know that in doing uh, these types of pedagogies, they can lose control of the class. Um, what are some resources that can help them get started? Um, and how can we help them to make this shift less scary? So I would say the goal of progressive education isn't necessarily to offer a step-by-step -step guide. So there's not a silver bullet. There's not something that you're going to read that's going to teach you exactly what to do in your scenario. But the overall objective is to have a methodology that is radically pro-student. And what I mean by that is, is that if you're spending hours upon hours every single night grading things or making content for your class or uh, trying to find ways to motivate through like extrinsic motivators like rewards or grades, um, you're doing a lot of extra work that you don't have to. And at least for me, I, I keep alluding back to this expo night, but it was very powerful. The second that you start to display to people rather than tell people what learning looks like is the second where they really start to latch onto these ideas. So I'm assuming that anyone that's listening to this probably already does some progressive things in their classroom. And the major problem that they're facing is that maybe other teachers in their building or in their community aren't embracing these ideas. And I've learned that I can't just walk up to one of my peers and say, hey, you know, you should do cradless learning because that to them is going to sound insane because they have no idea what I'm talking about. But if I show them what gradeless learning looks like, for example, by having maybe a portfolio conference and I invite them to it, or maybe we record them and put them, put them online, then that becomes like, oh, well, like, this is a really cool display of student learning that isn't involving a grade. And then when they come into that conversation and I explain to them, yeah, when I go home, I don't grade anything. I have five, six hours every single night where I don't do anything related to education outside of operate human restoration. Project. I mean, that's how they have the time to do this stuff. Um, that's really transformative to your teaching practice because I, I, I honestly feel like people that are reading um, books to improve their teaching and they fall into that. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of um, what, what these are, but I, I feel like a lot of the books that I read surrounding 
education tend to be like how to make a really interesting game. And I've done some gamification in my class and that's a shit ton of work. Like it's like, I mean, it takes four or five hours to plan one of those things. And sometimes they're really cool. But if you think that that's what progressive education is, there's no way you're ever going to want to tackle it because it's just too much work. It's shocking how easy it is to intrinsically motivate students when you just have the mindset and the framework of I'm going to do a project Here's the overall idea behind it. Students have multiple paths to get there, and I'm just going to meet with them one-on-one and figure out what they're going to do. It's really not that complicated once you get started. I mean, the resources that I use on a day-to-day basis on a project is a Google Sheet that's a weekly check-in where I'm meeting with students and then just listening to what students want to do and then just going from there. And then I pair it to standards and then cram for the test right before it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it's, it, it isn't hard. Um, it just, I think my experience is let's start with the question, what do you guys want to learn or how do you want to learn this? I think it's a great way to, to begin. Um, now, how do we convince parents, students, colleagues, administration, you brushed on colleagues, but um, the other stakeholders, uh, that progressive ed is, is a viable shift and not just a fad or a trend? That's a good question. So I, I would say that it's assurance. And that comes in multiple different ways. One of which is convincing parents that you're not a crazy person. And the good news is, is that there's a lot of research to support the things that we're talking about. So for example, in, in my gradeless classroom, I send home a sheet at the beginning of the school year, as well as call home to many parents and talk to them about why it is that I'm making this shift. And I start that conversation off from a place of emotion uh, in terms of convincing them, like it's because I love and care about their student. I care about their learning. And then I tell them about the research that supports motivation and the research that supports even test scores and how I'm working to ensure that they have the best education that's possible for the student. Uh, We have why sheets on our website. That's an Alfie Cohn inspired thing, which is just a, a base template about what that could potentially look like in terms of sending that home to a parent. And that gets into homework policies and restorative justice and and many other things that might be radically different than what they're used to. Um, And you should do that with students as well. It's not just parents and your administration. Um, You know, a lot of students think that a progressive educator, at least initially, is doing something wrong. Like if you're not at the front of the room lecturing every single day, that you're somehow, you know, neglecting your duties as a teacher, you have to bring students into this culture so they understand what it is that you're doing. Um, And a lot of that looks like deprogramming. Uh, A lot of it looks like talking about the same exact things that we're talking about right now, except in the classroom itself, which is fun. It's like building like this little rebellion within your room where it's like you're talking about something you're not supposed to be talking about, which is why school is maybe not doing so well. Um, and kids buy into that real quick. Uh, but in terms of going back to your initial question, um, convincing parents and administration is the exact same way that I would say that I would convince a teacher, which is showing them that process. So whenever we do portfolio check-ins, um, a big one that we have is at parent-teacher conferences. So I do everything in my power to get every single parent or guardian in to that portfolio conference, whether that be at school during the day, whether that be after school, whether that be uh, 
kitchen table phone call where students are explaining the work that they're doing to their parents and their parents are supplying feedback as well as I am. And just like how exponites work, just like how PBL can be transformative, when a parent hears their kid talking about their learning, that is such a powerful experience. Because you think about, you know, what the average student goes home and shares about their day at school. I remember when I was in school, my, you know, my parents would always ask, you know, what did you do at school today? I'd be like, I don't know, I did stuff. And it was a really boring conversation. But when you have a 10 minute conversation that explicitly talks about like, I'm doing this and I contacted this person and uh, I wrote this whole thing and this is what it sounded like. And this is why it was interesting. You know, I'm struggling with this. That's likely a deeper conversation that that parent has heard from their student talking about learning in a very long time, probably since elementary school. Um, and when they hear that, that really opens up that whole dialogue on what you're doing different as opposed to maybe someone who's doing something more traditional. And the exact same thing goes for administration. We have administration come to our portfolio check-ins as well. You know, we do student-led conferences at our school as well. And I'm always excited when those come around. I'm sure you've experienced this too. Um, it's really nice to hear when a parent says, oh, we've already had this conversation. We have this conversation every night because they my child comes home and just talks about everything that's going on in the classroom. Um, and I think that's kind of, that's, that's, a, um, that's a byproduct of engaging kids is when they're engaged, they want to talk about it. And though the student-led conferences are nice, having them just walk home and freely talk about it is even better. Sure. And I, I mean, to be honest, sometimes I'll get, I'll probably get two or three parent or guardian emails at the beginning of every semester because they look at my syllabus uh, and they see some of the policies that are on there, like gradeless learning or like the amount of time that we're dedicating to projects. And I get a concerned email surrounding like, you know, you're not going to prepare my kid for college or, you know, what about standardized testing, these big overarching narratives. And I'm always very thoughtful in those replies as I understand exactly what they're saying. I mean, I, I was very nervous as a teacher adopting these ideas for the exact same thing. But when I showcase to them that research. And when I come from a place of love and care, I've never had a parent object. Um, I mean, I've had parents cry because they were so moved by, you know, what it is that we're talking about. Um, at the end of the day, what people want to know is that you are professionally going about these ideas. And it's not just you saying things just for to say things, which is why that research is so powerful. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much for, um, for sharing your experience and sharing your, your insight into progressive ed. Um, tell, tell our listeners how they can follow you and learn more. Sure. So you can follow us multiple different ways. Um, the, easy of, the easiest way would be to go on Twitter, follow us at HumeResPro, which is the first three letters of Human Restoration Project, um, or visit us at HumanRestorationProject.org. And that's where you can find links to pretty much everything that we do. Thank you very much, Chris. Yep. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of TG2Cast. If you'd like more information, check us out on our website at teachersgoinggradeless.com or our Facebook group. You can also follow us on Twitter at TG2Chat. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you get future installments. 